0: Oh
1: Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said.
2: Like, I know this, it's kind of dangerous to ask that. Some of you are be like, I don't know, get up and walk out, right? I mean, maybe your <laughs> spouse maybe can come, or your partner, maybe some sense of religious obligation. Maybe, like me, you're paid to be here. Like, I don't, they certainly don't <laughs> pay me if I don't show up, right? Um, what makes you wake up on a crisp fall morning, roll out of a nice, comfortable bed, dress, and come sit and gather with a bunch of people who believe that 2,000 years ago a penniless Jewish rabbi... Was executed and came back to life. I mean, most of us in here are millennials. Why aren't we just out having brunch, right? Brunch is a millennial thing. Like, why are we still here gathering in a building? Um, I think we need to ask ourselves sometimes why do we do what we do? All across the planet today, millions of people will practice spiritual activities, many times for themselves rather than for God or for others. Now over the last seven weeks, this has been the longest series I've ever done at Horizon because I usually get bored with stuff and I'm like, I got about five weeks in the subject and then I'm bored and I gotta move on to something else. Seven weeks and we're not done yet. It's gonna go on longer. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. This is where Jesus outlines what it looks like to live and love as his disciples, student of the way that he lived, and loved an apprentice of his way of life now he claimed that his way of life was an abundant life but the paths that lead to the human human flourishing that jesus talks about often takes us as modern westerners by surprise now what we've talked about so far in the last six weeks is we've looked at um, these important teachings from the old testament where then he builds off of that and he says as my students you've heard it said this And now you need to really get to the heart of the issue the what's behind this teaching. Now he switches gears in chapter 6, and he talks about the motivation behind our obedience. Essentially, he looks at the people who gathered around him on this hillside, and he says, why are you here? And I think that question still resonates to us today. Why am I here? Why am I doing? Especially on a day like today, I had to go home twice, you know, for uh, two things that I forgot, and I'm running around like a wild man, and I'm like, what? what a great day to ask. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? And what I find is, if you're doing things for the wrong reasons, once things get hard, you quit. You stop. You find something easier to do. But according to Jesus, our motivation matters, and we're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 1-4. through 4. Be careful, he says, not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, just to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward. But when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, So, like I said, for the last few weeks, Jesus has been taking an Old Testament teaching and then saying, you've heard it said, and now I'm going to clarify what you should do in response, and here he's changing direction. Now he's beginning to contrast the way of life that he's inviting people into with the way of life that they usually see around religious life in their world, the way of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were the religious leaders and the elites. Like if you walked up to somebody in first century Israel and you said, who's really spiritual? Who's really religious? They'd be like, there, look at them. They're keeping all these rules. They let everybody know they're keeping all these rules. They're doing way more than I could ever do. And a lot of people felt inferior next to them because they practiced so much religious busyness. Jesus' arch enemies, if you read through the Gospels, the story of his life and death and resurrection, his enemies weren't the Roman Empire. His enemies were the religious Now, our tendency, my tendency, is to marvel at people who live up to impossible standards or people who speak on stages or demand the attention of huge audiences. But Jesus warns that sometimes those people don't do the right thing for for the right reasons. Sometimes they do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Um, John Mark Comer, a pastor in Portland, he said this quote, and it stuck with me. No one is more likely to do the right thing for the wrong reason than ministers, than pastors, than priests, than your religious leaders. They're more likely than anybody else to do the right thing for the wrong reason. And so I have to ask myself, why am I here? Why do I do what I do? Jesus was making it clear. He didn't want followers who just had the right answers or had the right behaviors. He wanted followers who became the right kind of People who had the axioms and the answers, but not because they memorized the test, because they were actually transformed. For Jesus, the end does not justify the means. You'd be like, well, they're doing the right thing. Does it really matter why they're doing it? According to Jesus, yes. It does matter why they're doing it. So, why am I here? Why are we here? Did we gather because we long to hear from? because we desire to serve others? Or did I come today because I like to really enjoy that I can force people to listen to me for a few minutes? Like, I have all this useless information and I wanna share it, and now you have to sit here and hear it, right? Um, sometimes on a long drive, when Garvey and I travel back to Georgia, where her family is, or Tennessee, where my family is, like, I'll just get so bored, I'll be like, let me just talk, let me just talk about this useless information I have. And she's like, please stop. I remember one time, she was like, I've always wondered what a union does. And I was like, went on and on for like an hour and 30 minutes about the history of unions and all I knew about unions. And she's like, you know, I checked out about three minutes into that. And you've just been talking to no one, right? So why do I do this? Is it because I just want you to listen to me? I have to stop and think about that. Is it because I want to feel intelligent? People are like, man, that's so good. Alex is so smart. Look at him. Look how talented and spiritual he is. I find that often I do the right things because I'm selfish, not because I'm spiritual. Mm. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us do the right things because we're selfish and we're gonna get something out of it, and not because we're spiritual, not because we desire what Jesus desires. And let's be honest, when was the last time you had one pure motive? right? We're complicated beings as human beings. Like, on my best day, I usually have some conflicting motivations Fighting to have a place with my correct Motivations Now Jesus starts his teaching here Verse 6 by saying Be careful Be careful, or in other words, watch out Have you ever seen when you're driving over a bridge And it says "Um, Careful, this bridge can get icy When wet, or something like that You know, so if I do that If I see that sign and I'm coming up to a bridge I know it's cold out and it looks wet I slow down, I take some precautions Because I'm like This could be ice. There's a warning here. Jesus is warning us that when we do good, we should be careful because the human tendency is when we do something good to make it about us. We have a tendency when we're doing the right thing to do it for the wrong reasons. And so when we're doing good, what Jesus is saying is check yourself. Why did you do that? Ask yourself. Examine yourself. Because according to Jesus, doing the right thing often has more to do with us than it does with us wanting to have something to do with God. So, does this mean we've messed up when we posted things like this? Like here we are, serving in the community, cleaning up the streets out here, putting in, we put in some malls, we pull some weeds. Like, have we defied Jesus' teachings here when we put our good deeds up on social media? Like, I want people in the community to know that we're a church that loves the community, right? Um But Jesus says our good works should be secret. So, did we break the teachings of Jesus here? Not exactly. Remember what Jesus said? uh, You might remember, you might not. It's been seven weeks now, right? But back at the beginning, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 16, he says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And you're like, Jesus, (laughs) which one is it you said in chapter five do good works let your light shine before others let them see your good works and now you say oh no be careful don't let people see your good works what's he saying well he he makes a, a very important distinction between chapter five and chapter six in chapter five he says the goal of good works is not to earn god's love or people's approval Good works do not earn us the favor of God, but reflect the favor of God through us into the world. The goal of good works, according to this verse in chapter 5, is to point praise to God. He says people will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. What's happening in chapter 6 is people are doing good works and they're saying, praise me. Like it's to draw attention to me, not to draw attention to God. So the issue is not good works or even people seeing that we're doing good works. The issue is whether or not our motive for doing those works is for people to see me or to see him. Now, I think our culture, our American Western culture, is obsessed with looking good instead of being good. We don't really care if there's any substance behind it as long as it looks really good. I mean, Hollywood is a great example of that, right? Good actions that point praise to us is what Jesus is critiquing here. Good with ulterior motives to get focused on us, to get likes, to get noticed, is evil, according to Jesus. Good with ulterior motives is evil. So the student of Jesus does good to draw attention to Jesus, not to draw attention to themselves. We do good for unselfish motives to draw attention to Jesus and to serve other people like Jesus did. Now, Jesus, in this passage, he calls the religious people of his day Hypocrites. Now, you probably use this term. I know I've used this term about religious people, right? It's pretty common to look at somebody religious and be like, hypocrite. On Sunday, they act one way, but the rest of the week, they act completely different. Or they say a lot of things, but they don't live that way. Or, you know, we use it in other contexts. Like when I'm like, I'm on a keto diet, and Darby catches me eating a whole pecan pie, and she's like, You hypocrite. You know? <laughs> The Greek word that Jesus used here wasn't actually used in religious settings. Jesus actually introduced that idea to the world. Mm -hmm. So the next time your unchurched friend says, man, everybody in church is hypocrite, be like, Jesus actually said that first. You're actually Uh quoting Jesus. That's what Jesus would say about religious people. The word hypocrite wasn't a religious word. The original Greek word that Jesus uses uses here means stage actor. It's an actor in a play. Now, when I was a kid, um, between like 8 and 10, uh, I started writing plays, and I would perform them in my basement with my sister, and then I would ask the neighborhood over to watch it, and they were terrible. But you know, I guess uh, weird 8 year olds write plays, and I wrote plays about the Bible and about the Protestant Reformation, you know, normal 8 year old <laughs> stuff. And um, I would put on these terrible plays. I think I have a clip of this. Yes. The scenes were really short, really terrible. The dialogue was awful. And if you've noticed the costume man. I was supposed to be King Herod, about to kill the um, Baptist. I love how I just threw a mattress up as a backdrop, you know? I was like, that works. And uh, I was wearing my bathrobe and my sister's princess crown. That does not make me a king, right? We know when an actor puts on a costume, that does not make them who they are. But Jesus said that's what religious people. He says they put on a costume, but it's not who they really are. They're wearing a mask, but it's not who they really are. Jesus is saying they were playing a part, but they weren't becoming like him. They were mimicking him, but they weren't becoming like him. Greek actors at this time, they would wear these exaggerated masks so you knew what emotion they were feeling. It would be like a huge happy smile or a huge sad face with a tear And what he's saying is there's a lot of people who practice religion that same way. They practice good things for the wrong reasons. It's all just a mask so that people think that they're feeling an emotion or that they're moving in a direction. But he says it's fake. In the eyes of God, why we do something is as important as what we do. Now, Jesus uses this example here, and he says, you know, the, the hypocrites, these people who are play-acting at being spiritual, he says, they blow trumpets before they gave. Um, now, most scholars don't think that the religious hypocrites were going around like, I'm about to give money to the poor and blowing a trumpet. Uh, they think that the box in the synagogue and in the temple that collected alms for the poor was made out of a ram's horn and ram's horns are what they used for trumpets and so what we, you would have is you would have somebody who'd be like in line to give money at the temple and it would be his turn to go up and he'd be like did you hear that i gave a like he'd really throw it in there so it was like a trumpet sound so that everyone would turn and look like oh he must have given a really big point he must have given a lot of points look at how loud that was that guy's generous and Jesus is saying, what you should do is drop it like this. Nobody hears it. Nobody knows what you did. You're not trying to draw attention to yourself because you're actually trying to help the poor. You're not trying to help your spiritual image. Jesus says, people who give like that have missed an opportunity for a divine reward. That's what he says. He says, you got what you wanted. You wanted 30 seconds of fame, you got it. But if you wanted God to reward you in some way, you missed it. If we live for the approval of people, we'll always be emotionally starving. Have you known someone who's like, they, they just have to have people's approval, they have to have people's attention, they're like, I need it, I need it, and they never have enough. We can look at the famous people in our society, right? No matter how big the crowd is, they need a bigger crowd to tell them that they're valuable and loved. If we live from the approval of Jesus, will always be full and we'll have plenty to share with others. Jesus says here that God wants to reward us for doing good. Now, he doesn't say what that reward is. He doesn't say like, you want a new house and a bigger car? Then give! That's not what he says. But he says there is a reward. He doesn't say what it is, but he says we forfeit it when we just give to get people's attention. If all we want is to get other people to notice us for a few seconds, that's all we'll get. But God wants to give us so much more. Dallas Willard said, when we do good deeds to be seen by human beings, that is because we are looking for something that comes from human beings. We're not looking for what we really need, what our bodies and souls really crave. The word to C.S. Lewis, he said that often we settle for the spiritual equivalent of mud pies when God wants to take us to a holiday vacation at the seashore. We settle for human attention when our innermost being craves divine attention that no human applause could ever satisfy. So how do we get to the place where Jesus says you give and your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing? Like, how do we get there? Notice that, first of all, that Jesus assumes that giving to the poor, helping the needy, helping people who are less fortunate than you, is not optional. He just assumes that you're going to do it. Like a follower of Jesus should be generous and should give to those in need. But Jesus is talking about here becoming so much like him that we give without any thought of recognition or acknowledgement. We stop having to think about it, like, oh, did someone notice how much I give? Did somebody notice how much I do? Was I praised enough for that? Did I get enough attention for that? We stop thinking about it because his nature has become our second nature. Eugene Peterson has this quote where he describes the effects of a long obedience in the same direction. Spending a lifetime pursuing the ways of Jesus, you end up becoming like Christ. We live in a world of instant, right? Right? Like, uh, I think it was Saturday, Friday night or something. I was like, oh man, I forgot to order something for Sunday. So I ordered it from Amazon and I had it Saturday morning. They're knocking on my door first thing, delivering it to me, instant, it was there. I love when people text me because it's, it's fast, it's easy, it's right there. I don't have to weigh in on some email, some back and forth, it's just right there. Um, we have instant meals. Everything in our society is now, we want it right now. I go to the bookstore and I'm like, this book's gonna take me too long to read. This is three tips to change your life today. I'm like, good, fast, let's do it, you know? I don't want the long, I want the quick. But discipleship takes time. Becoming like Jesus takes time. Being an apprentice of his way of life takes time. Discipleship takes time as we spend time with someone we want to become like. Having the patience and perseverance to keep a course for a long time transforms who we are, not just what we do. And that's what Jesus is talking what was once a burden becomes a blessing because you faithfully train your mind and body to think and behave like christ so that it becomes natural to respond like him to move like him to speak like him to give quietly without recognition like him a lifetime of learning from jesus makes us like jesus now i don't know about you but this teaching is pretty overwhelming to me um, not only do i have to not do the bad things okay that's gonna be really hard i'll right. I have to do the right things to replace those. Okay, okay. And then I have to do the right things for the right reasons? Like, oh my word, like how am I supposed to do this? This is is too much. This is too hard. But as we consistently choose to walk in the ways of Jesus over a lifetime and check and correct our motives over a lifetime, something happens, the ways of Jesus become supernaturally natural. Now, if we just say, man, I've been trying to walk the ways of Jesus for a month, I don't see any dramatic change. I'm done. Well, then you'll never see any dramatic change, right? But it's as we continually say, hey, I'm trying to live in love like Jesus. Oh, I failed. Correct it. Get back on path. Okay, I'm trying to live in love like Jesus. Oh, I did that for the wrong motives. Okay, correct that. Get back on path. What you find is over a lifetime, the person you become like is Jesus. I've met a lot of really miserable old people who have spent a lifetime becoming a miserable old person. I would like to spend a lifetime becoming like Jesus. So that at the end of my life, people say, man, he's got a lot of wisdom. Man, that guy, he really loves people. He's not quick to anger. He doesn't say hurtful things. He's kind, loving. He's sacrificial and generous. But that's going to happen when I choose today and tomorrow and the next day. Practice the ways of Jesus. Examine my motivations. And get back on course when I get off. So, Let's end with a question, right? Like, we started with a question, why are you here? If we took our masks off, no, not your masks you're wearing, you you need to keep wearing those. What I'm saying is if we took our masks off of trying to be spiritually impressive to other people and took an honest look at where we are, where would we be at? I left a little card in your seat. And uh, this isn't like official, like Jesus's guide to, you know, steps to following him. But I find that this is often a natural flow of where people start and where people end up. And you might jump around. You may, it may not be a complete flow chart for you. No one's going to check these answers. No one's going to be like circle this and turn this in. I don't need to know. But just ask yourself, where are you? Where are you on this? And be honest, because you're not impressing anybody here. No one's like, oh wow, you're number nine. Congratulations, you're so awesome. Just be honest. Not what you do to impress people, but if you took off everything, you stripped everything away, where would you be? For those watching online, I'm gonna post them on the video as well, so you can see them. Take a moment and think about where you are. Then think about what are your motivations where you are. Let's be real with each other, because I think in the company of Jesus, we're all beginners. And I believe honestly that spiritual maturity the starting point is always being honest about where you are and why you're there what's your motivation let's pray lord jesus thank you so much for the sermon on the Mount. thank you for inviting us into your life and this is a life we could not live without you you promised to send your holy spirit to all who call on you to rescue to all who say lord be my master i want to learn from you i want to be your apprentice i want to be your student Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be honest about where we are and why we're there. Let us be uh, self-examining our hearts and our minds. Bring to to our minds and our hearts the reasons that we do things that aren't pure. The things that have uh, benefits for us or the times that we selfishly do something spiritual. And help us be people who continually align with the way that you've lived
1: I really hate when his sermons are convicted and the Holy Spirit is <laughs> <laughs> got changed. You got Just kidding. I am very stubborn, though, and uh, sometimes I'm not the contact. Uh, For every first-time visitor, we donate $10 to Compassion International, and it just helps children in third-world countries with food, education, and just escape the deep poverty that they are in. If you'd like to support the work of Horizon and what we're doing in the community and around the world, you can do so online at horizonphilly.com slash give, or we have Venmo, PayPal, and then there's also a bucket by the door that you can discreetly put things in. And not nothing. <laughs> See, I listen. I listen. Um, instead of our normal prayer call, we have been meeting here um, at 6 p.m. and just doing a prayer walk, um, weather permitting, but I think we can be in the building if it's like absolutely boring. I don't know. Read your emails. Um I'm bad at that, even though I'm married to a pastor. Uh, <laughs> so it was a great time getting out last week and just uh, praying for the things that are on our heart. As a church, as a church family, and it just, like, mints our hearts closer together. Book Club, if you want to read through What If Jesus Was Serious, we are now on the second section um, this week, and we have a link where you can get on, you can see the questions, answer the questions, um, and we can disconnect connect throughout the week as well. It's a great way uh, for us to stay connected. Our core value for the week at Horizon, we are people-driven. We're about relationships, not religion. Because we believe that transformation doesn't come from following all these rules and religiosity, gaining more information, but it's about being in relationships with Jesus and being in relationships with people that transform lives. You are dismissed, and may you have a marvelous
0: week in the goodness of Jesus Christ.